Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Lydia Brown Ministries, where we have a conversation about faith and bringing revival to your life. for tuning in to this week's podcast. I'm your host, Lydia brown Raphael, and today I have the honor of welcoming back to the podcast my sweetheart, Nick. How are you today, sweetheart? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, sweetheart. How I'm, are you? I'm so good because you're back with us and I'm getting used to this. I like it. I like being on here with you. Oh, good. Cause <laughs> we, we should start a podcast, shouldn't we? Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> well, this is our podcast and you are such a big part of this podcast. I appreciate that. Thank and you. And for those of you who might not know, Nick is the one who does all of the editing and behind the scenes work that makes this podcast possible and I just could not, none of, we wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for you, sweetheart. Well, so I thank God for you. Well, I thank God for you. I'm honored, sweetheart. And I thank always you. enjoy it whenever you come on. And it's just <laughs> really good. And this has to be my favorite so far because mm-hmm. it's Christmas. I know. And it keeps on getting better, doesn't it? it? You know, Christmas can be every day for me. Oh, me too. <laughs> yes. I like to tell people I actually live with the real life old Saint Nick. Oh, but I ain't old, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you're not. But hey, you're you're um a good one. You really are. Well, thank you, sweetheart. So that what do we have me. today? So this week, you know, last week I told, you know, we when we dove into the teaching, I kind of mentioned that last week and this week are kind of the same. And so this week is going to be kind of a continuation of what we talked about last week. And so oh, this week, we're going to dive into, who are the wise men? Great. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, me too. Have you ever uh, wondered who the wise men were? Yes. I mean, I have too. I mean, just like, you know, there's three kings and all of that, and all of that goodness. But where did they come from? That's what we're really going to dive into uh, today. But before we do that, what is your favorite Christmas memory? My favorite Christmas memory would have to be... When you were little. At, uh, well, uh, there's so many. It's hard know, to pick right? one. <laughs> I believe one that really stands out to me is when I was little, my church had this event called the Christmas Spectacular. Oh. And I got to sing a solo in the Christmas Spectacular. <laughs> and then on some other uh, some other scenes, I, I helped uh, throw snowballs at <laughs> the snowman. And, uh, hey, it snowed in our church. Ooh. And I was from a small town. I'm from a small town in South Georgia. And I was a southern girl excited for snow because I had never seen snow before. <laughs> You know, that bubble snow machine. It was snowing at the church. We were so excited. That had to be a really good one. What about you? I have so many, too. Um, Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, My dad, who was good, he's a good man. He went home to be with the Lord when I was 10. Um, And so he's with the Lord. He's alive and well with the Lord. Um, So he's celebrating Christmas every day. Um, Christmas was a very special time with me, but it was a special time with him. But... He was a music teacher, and he was a music instructor um, in California. Um, That's where he spent most of his teaching career. 
And so every year, one of the things I really looked forward to was his Christmas programs that he would put on at the school. And I mean, he had every kind of music that was there. Old school Christmas music, fun Christmas music. He would always dress up and he'd have a Christmas tie, which was always fun. And I had, a, fun. I had a clip-on tie trying to be like, Dad. <laughs> oh, that's cute. But one of my favorite things is that he would actually have a nativity theme in his programs. And well, let me tell you, this was, this was a big deal in the late 90s, early 2000s in California, of all places. A school district in California, in all places. And one of the songs that they would always sing is We Three Kings. Oh, yeah. We three kings of Orient are. Da, da, da. You, you know the rest of the words. I mean, I, I don't know the rest of the words, it, but, you know, <laughs> but you know the melody. Yeah. Those who are listening probably it's know It's a it. classic Christmas song. It's a classic Christmas song. And, you know, we're, where we're recording this, we're actually in front of our Christmas tree. Okay. And one of the things of our Christmas tree is the nativity, right? Yes. And I really love nativity themed ornaments and really nativity themed decorations Mm -hmm. i think it's really important to understand that this time of year belongs to god amen we're glorifying him but we should do that every day yes every single day and so on all of the ornaments there's three kings Mm -hmm. if you notice it and even in in your home too you know those who are listening you probably have a nativity scene there's three kings and they're and they have little boxes. Now the ornaments that we have, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're gorgeous. But is it correct though? Kind of like Silent Night. Is it one hundred percent correct? I think you would actually be shocked to know how overwhelming these gifts actually were. And let me tell you, there were more than just three little boxes. Wow. And it was more than just three kings that came to him. Wow. So this is probably one of our most in depth yes. teachings that we're going to do. The truth of the matter is, is that the greatest king of all was born and they brought their best. Yeah. And so they pulled out no stops whatsoever. Yeah. So we're going to dive into the word. There's going to be a lot of word in this teaching. Oh, good. So we're going to go back to our text from last week in Matthew chapter two, but we're actually going to start in verse 11. This specifically talks about the wise men. And so starting in verse 11 and... Actually, going into verse 10. Actually, no, we're going to start in verse 9. (laughs) And so when they had heard, when they, the wise men, had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Young child meaning that Jesus was two years old at this time. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with, with exceeding great joy. They were overwhelmed with joy it overcame them they couldn't take it anymore i mean they were jumping leaping shouting and praising and when they were come into the house that's key because they went to a house jesus was born in a cave at the time so they went to the house which signifies that he was in nazareth at this time and so when they went to the house they saw the young child So Jesus was a toddler, two years old at this time, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, plural, they presented unto them gifts of gold 
and frankincense and myrrh. And so that within itself is very powerful. Notice that the I want you to point out, sweetheart, is that the the word treasures and gifts is plural. That means that there's more than just three. And it's really to understand the gifts, we have to understand who the wise men were. Oh, okay. And so the wise men at this time was the term magi, M-A-G-I. We see that we see that throughout uh, we see that sometimes the gifts of the magi, and so historically speaking, the magi were influential people throughout the ancient Middle East. They're very well known, and primarily their base was in Persia or in modern day Iran. Same thing, ancient Babylon, Persia, Babylon is modern right. day Iran right now today. So think Iran. Um, they were a combination. So who were they really? So. It's kind of hard to describe who they were in our terms just because, you know, um, our modern day language and our modern day um, understanding of things is so far removed. Um, they were kind of a combination between priests and kings. Oh, okay. So they were kind of a combination of two. They were kind of like a, kind of like a hybrid role in a way. Um, they were very religious um, politically influential and extremely wealthy. And so honestly, it's very, like I said, it's kind of very difficult to understand the role of the Magi in our modern way of thinking. So the best way to describe them is for lack of a better combination, it would be a combination of the Pope, you know, a religious figure that everybody knows who the Pope is, right? So it would be the Pope, insert whatever politician that you want and Jeff Bezos or an Elon Musk type figure. They were highly, highly, highly revered. So they were super religious, super politically influential and extremely wealthy. And so they were Zoroastrian priests. I'm butchering the name. <laughs> I'm butchering the name of that. But that was a religion at that time that they practiced at that time. They were priests. Uh, they practiced the religion of Iran at that time. And a common practice of their religion was to study astrology, which is common study stars. We get the word, you know, astro, astrology, the study of stars. We get our word, the word magic comes from magi, which is common in occult practices today. It comes from them. So the thing is, is how did they know about the Messiah? You know, if they're practicing this complete different religion, how did they know about the Messiah, Why? the coming king? How did they know who they were looking for? Because these are two separate, I mean, vastly different religions at this time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had um, the Iranian, this is <clears throat> the Iranian religion at that time where they, they, they believed in multiple gods at that time. Uh, they believed a sun god. They believed in a moon god. Um, they believed in different gods at that time. They were polytheistic at that time. And so Jewish at this time was monotheistic. There was one God. So there's two vastly different things. So how did a polytheistic priest who studied, the, who studied their teachings know about a Messiah, a Jewish Messiah? How did they know about that? 
And I could really, really, really spend weeks on this. I might have to come back <laughs> to a teaching um, on this, too. You have too. an open invitation. Of course. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, because this is a really rich teaching, like I said. However, I'm just going to kind of give like a 30,000-foot view of this. The earliest record recording accounts of this was in Daniel chapter 2, verse 48, in the book of Daniel. And so in, an, <clears throat> in a nutshell... This is when Daniel interpreted the king, the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember the king, the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had, you know, with the statue and everything, and how he was troubled and everything. Mm-hmm. How he sent forth to Daniel, right? And Daniel interpreted the dream. King Nebuchadnezzar appointed Daniel to be the head of his council. Who was his council at that time that he was appointed to? The Magi. And so, what did Daniel do? During this time, God strategically placed Daniel over ahead of a pagan, idolatrous area, and he taught them about the Messiah. And so for centuries, they took the teachings of Daniel about a coming Messiah and taught him for generations after generations after generations. These magi knew who Jesus was. Wow. And so that tells you, and that tells you something, my friends. Wherever you're at right now, God has a strategic plan and a purpose yes, for your does. life. It may not look like, it may not make sense to your natural thinking right now, but it's in retrospect where you go, oh, wow. That, that, I get where that's coming from. And so for centuries, they were studying the prophecies of Daniel. Yes. So they were looking for him. They knew who, they knew the times, they knew the place, and they knew who they were looking for, specifically down to the T. That is just amazing. Only God. Only God, right? <clears throat> and so when the Magi traveled, it wasn't just three of them who traveled. They traveled in caravans. So these are like thousands of people traveling at once security and security protection. because these are like if the president of the united states goes somewhere i mean he doesn't travel light yeah if any kind of diplomat travels somewhere if they don't travel light they have to have a security detail with them so there is potentially est- a rough estimate thousands potentially thousands of people traveling with these wise men at the time so that's why herod was troubled because why are these thousands of people <sighs> thank you lord the best way to describe this, because it's kind of hard in our natural way of thinking, because we look at Christmas programs where we see three people riding on camels and they're coming to find baby Jesus, right? We three kings of Orient are, you know, you know, who follow the star. And so there's three people on camels, which it sounds great, looks good on a Christmas card, makes beautiful ornaments, makes beautiful Christmas programs, but that's inaccurate. I want you to, f- <clears throat> I want you the best way to focus on this. Do you remember the movie uh, Aladdin? We watched the the <laughs> we watched the Disney the Disney version of it, but then you know the the cartoon version of it, but then we watched the real life version of it. You know when when Aladdin's coming in as Prince Ali, and that they hear the th- stomps of <clears throat> the different animals, their horses coming through, and then they see all of these people come through. That's how they traveled. That's how they came into Israel. But take that and magnify it by like three times. That's how many people were there. 
So basically, and they're walking around, where is the king? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? So that's why Herod was upset. Who are all these people coming into my kingdom? He knew it was them. And so that makes us wonder how much was the Magi's gift was worth. Have you ever wondered that? Oh, yeah, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Have you ever wondered how much it actually costs? Definitely. You have? I have too. And so um, these are good uh, translations, but the word actually tells us exactly how much it costs. And so I want to remind you that the Magi were very affluent. And so during the time of the uh, ancient Middle East, the Magi were among the wealthiest members of society at this time. They were very extremely wealthy at this time. Um, Jeff Bezos and, you know, Elon Musk, they had nothing on their wealth that they had. They were extremely wealthy. Um, and so they were among the wealthiest members of society as a tradition within their culture, the Magi would always pay tribute to incoming Kings and royalty, kind of like a diplomatic thing. They're giving, uh, they're giving some kind of diplomatic gift. We, that's a practice that's even practiced today. And so the size of the gift is commensurate upon the title of the King. So the lower the king, the lower the gift. The higher the king, the higher the gift. Anything less than what was recorded is seen as a diplomatic snuff to them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a thumb in the face or anything like that to where you're unworthy. And it was shameful. So historically speaking, uh, the Persians would have provided the following diplomatic gifts at that time. Vases, urns, <clears throat> vases, urns, plates, carpets, regal clothing, carpets, exotic materials plated with gold. Um, it was seen as a fortune. Those are a lot of nice gifts. It's a lot of nice gifts. And this is not some stuff that you get at like Walmart or something like this. These were very, <laughs> very expensive gifts. Yes. <laughs> um, and they were all plated with gold. But not just any kind of gold. Now, again, I'm going to link brother renner's teaching into this because he really 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 does a really in-depth thing because it was precious gold yeah it was the most precious gold it was the king's gold at this time because there's different levels of gold this was the precious gold so this was very very expensive the best gold that you can have wow plated with it um and it was seen as a fortune now remember at the beginning of the teaching where we said treasures and gold treasures and gifts were plural yeah that goes into it that's part of it and so like i said this was seen as a fortune and the gold given to like i said jesus was uh the purest form of gold um and then on top of that frankincense and myrrh were more valuable than gold at that time because it was very extremely rare and it could only be found in Arabia where the wise men were. Mm-hmm. And so historically speaking, frankincense and myrrh, when they travel, it's already expensive because it's coming from a faraway land. And the fact that it's being carried to wherever it is, the cost and the value of that goes up in value right. the further it is, the further the distance. So the further the travel, the more expensive it is. And frankincense was only used for kings and priests at that time. Um, Very valuable. Same thing with myrrh as well. So they are more valuable than gold. And so what was the estimated cost? So when a low-level king was visited by the Magi, when the Magi visited a low-level king, 
This is just like a base level king or like a governor or something like that. It was customary for the Magi to bring 110 kilos of gold, which in today's standard would be worth about $5 million in gold alone. But Jesus was not a low-level king. I mean, he's the king of kings. The king of kings. And lord of lords. So what the Magi brought him was significantly higher. We're talking like hundreds of millions in gold alone. And frankincense and myrrh were valued more than gold at the time. So the overall estimate of the Magi's gift to Jesus is overwhelming. There is a specific figure that you can give, but it's one of those things where like it wouldn't cost that much. We're talking upwards of a couple billion or more. A specific number would be way too, way too much. You're like, oh my goodness. But that's the goodness of God. He provided everything Jesus needed. He provided. Jesus is good news no matter what. Amen. He didn't just change Mary and Joseph's life by being a son. He changed their financial status too. Jesus is good news wherever wherever you're at. He's good for your spirit, your soul, your body, your and health, your finances. Exactly. And so God is our provider. Amen. He didn't lead Mary and Joseph away and say, I'm not going to provide for you or anything like that. No, he provided them a bow above and beyond Amen. what they could even think, whatever he can fathom. And he is the same God today, my friends. The same God that did it for him will do it for you. He is El Shaddai. Hallelujah. The God of more than enough. Yes, he is. That's what I am means. Is El Shaddai. I am that I am. I am the all-sufficient one. Yes. Hallelujah. All sufficiency in all things. He is our provider. Oh, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful too. I'm just so grateful that he truly is the God who keeps his word. He is a covenant-keeping God. Amen. His covenant, will he will not break or turn around. Hallelujah. That's a good one. That's one of my favorites. Yes. <laughs> wow, I could just keep going on I and could. on. This I told is such you. a good story. It really is. And like I said, like I said, sweetheart, maybe one time in the future I might have to come back and do a more in-depth teaching because I had to take like weeks worth of teaching and break it down into yes. one segment. So you guys got basically like three or four weeks of teaching in like a 20 to 30 minute segment. So that's like a 30,000 view. Well, <laughs> view. definitely come back <laughs> of and share more because I enjoy hearing about this. Oh, well, praise God. It's fun to learn about the Word. It really is. It becomes alive to you. It does. It does. It's not just a story. It's like, wow, my God, you are so good. And you're so great. Amen. Well, sweetheart, before we go today, is there anything you want to say, an encouraging word or a prayer to leave our friends with this week? Yes. So the the encouraging thing, the moment of encouragement that I want to encourage you guys with is that God is more than enough. Whatever you're facing right now, you might be facing anxiety or anything like that. The word says, be anxious for nothing. But by all things, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto God, for he cares for you. The care is not on you. The care is on him. You cast your cares. You don't keep it. So roll that care onto him and receive his peace. Because he is a good God 
He's not looking at uh, ways to keep things from you. He's looking at how I can get it to you. Peace is one of them. Wholeness is another. All of his goodness and all of his mercy follows you all the days of your life. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Hallelujah is right. That's a good word. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us again this week. It has been great having you. Of course, sweetheart. It's been great being on here. Well, I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful for all of you who have tuned in to join us for this special Christmas story series. Amen. And we look forward to next week. Yes. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Christmas is getting close. That's right. And let's remember, wise men still seek Him. That's right. And Jesus is the reason for the season. That's right. Amen. Happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday, (laughs) Jesus. Well, until next time, this is Lydia and Nick. And we love you and thank God for you. And remember that Jesus is coming soon. Thank you for tuning into this week's podcast. This episode was brought to you by the partners of Lydia Brown Ministries. For more ways to connect with us or to sow into our ministry, please visit the links in the podcast description.